Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Now I got to tell you something, you, you can't tell anybody. You know, somebody once said, a secret in the church is what you tell one person at a time. <laughs> Are you getting me? <laughs> and you know, you go, well, and you know, I got to tell you something that you can't tell anybody. Listen, no, when you see someone overtaken in default, you don't call someone. You don't, you don't call the prayer chain. You don't gossip about that. Paul says you seek to restore them. If you're taking notes, this word restore, write this down. It means to put in order as to restore to former condition. It's actually, listen, it's actually a Greek medical term for setting a dislocated bone. It's the same word used in Mark chapter one, verse 19, as the apostles were mending or restoring their nets. So Paul says, if you call or believe yourself to be spiritual and you see someone who has fallen, you are to restore them or mend the broken bones. And too often, saints, listen, I've told them first service, I'll tell you second, I told them second, I'll tell you third. Too often when we see someone in a trespass, we don't restore them, we shoot them. The church, unfortunately, is famous for shooting its wounded. Isn't that sad? And yet, isn't that sad? Am I the only one that sees this? And yet at the same time, we tell people, oh, the church is a hospital. The church is a place where people come. If they're sick, they should come and they can receive healing. The God is a God. He's Jehovah Jireh and he can heal. And God will, you know, he's our healer. He's our protector. We talk all of this kind of language. And at the same time, when someone comes walking through the church, the doors of the church and they need healing and they need restoration, we don't seek to provide that for them. Instead, we shoot them, beat them up and tell them how sinful they are. You know, one thing you don't have to do, you don't have to tell a sinner that they're a sinner. They already know that. When I got saved, nobody needed to tell me I was in sin. I knew that. What I need to know is how do I get out of it? Can you say better amen than that? I need to know what is it going to take to get me from here to there? You know, a brother even this past week came to me. And uh, main appointment came in, sat and talked with me, and I really, really appreciated the fact that he said, I'm a Christian, and I'm here to ask you, how do I move forward? Do you know in my 25 years of ministry, Chris, it is, nobody's ever done that. That's never happened. Where someone made an appointment, not to tell me all the bad stuff I was doing wrong, 
because I got plenty of those. But they actually made an appointment to come in and sit down and say, Pastor, I want to know how do I go forward? What do I need to do next? As a Christian, how do I continue to move forward? How do I grow? How do I, how do I, what do I do now as a believer? That's what we need to be sharing with people. That's how we need to be restoring people and bringing them, mending. Are y'all with me? Mending those broken bones and, and bringing them to the place of restoration. Tell them how to grow in the Lord. Tell them how to read the Bible. Tell them what prayer is. When you first became a Christian, when I first became a Christian, I didn't know how to pray. I had no idea. I mean, I, learned, I, mean, I heard the priest pray from Catholic school, but I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know, I, and the prayers I heard, they were high, lofty prayers. I didn't know, it was like, Father, in the name of Jesus, thou humble servant, thine calling upon thine. Well, I thought that's the way you pray. First time I prayed, that's the way I prayed. I was in the military barracks. Father, in the name of Jesus. Guys in my room, they're looking at me like, what in the world are you doing? I am calling out to God, man. Shut up. <laughs> what is thou on high? What is it? Hey, right. You don't have to pray that way. Prayer is you talking to God and God talking to you. And it's okay to just talk to God. And when you need God, you can just say, help. That's what Peter did. You know, help is a prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any, anyone? Okay. Peter was about to sing. He just said, help. God helped him. Help is a prayer. Just talking to God. Those are the things we need to be sharing with people as we seek to heal and as we seek to restore them. Paul says we need to, you're truly spiritual. You need to seek to restore and to mend. Look at verse one again. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You see that a spiritual Christian will consider themselves. The word consider means to scope out. We have the word telescope, microscope, scope mouthwash. It's in the Greek. I mean, trust me. In other words, listen, you're to put yourself under the microscope and you will find, listen, when you put yourself under the microscope, you will find that you are a sinner saved by grace. And if you weren't saved, if, you weren't, if it weren't for the grace of God, you would be broken and you would be needing restoration as well. Saints, in 25 years of being a Christian, one thing I have learned, listen, don't be quick to look down on somebody else and never say what you will never do. Isn't that true? I, I, I actually made that mistake once and said, I'll never do that. Oh, I will never do that. You know, the thing that you say you will never do, that's the very thing you do. Never say that. Say, by the grace of God, I will never do that. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Say, by the grace of God, I will never do it. By the grace of God, I'll never become addicted. By the grace of God, I'll never find myself on the street. By the grace of God, I will never do this and I will never do that. Never say, I will never do that. For one, that puts uh, focus in pride. That's pride. Hmm? You know, the middle letter of the word pride is I. Huh. The middle letter of the word sin is I. 
We don't want to focus on ourselves. By the grace of God, I will never do that. That's what you need to say. Because you are the same kind of man that the other man is, and that is human. Truly spiritual and humble people have a right assessment of oneself. Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word burden If you're taking notes, I've got this on the screen for you, literally means, and I love this definition, an extra heavy weight that requires the distribution among many so that it can be carried. An extra heavy weight, that's what the word means in the Greek language. An extra heavy weight that requires the distribution among many so that it can be carried. So Paul has talked about the one who is overtaken in a trespass. And that paints the picture of a person sagging under a heavy load. And Paul says, hey, if you see someone carrying a heavy burden, then help them to bear it. And notice he doesn't say, if you see someone carrying a heavy load or a heavy burden, then add some more bricks and make it heavier. He doesn't say that. He says, help them to bear it. And in doing this, You are fulfilling the law of Christ because he bore our sins. He bore our burdens. Jesus came and took our burden, our sin, and our shame upon himself. Have you ever thought of that? You're being most Christ-like when you are helping someone to bear their burden. You know, we think we're being most Christ-like when we're maybe doing something outwardly spiritual, speaking in tongues, prophesying, laying hands on the sick, exercising the gift of faith. These are all wonderful gifts. But you're being most Christ-like when you are helping someone bear their burden because he bore your burden. Can you say amen? He bore your burden. He bore your sin. He bore your shame upon himself. Look at verse 3. Paul says, if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. I got to think that this is kind of an in-your-face to the Judaizers because they thought they were something. They were prideful. And worst of all, they were spiritually prideful, which I think is the worst kind of pride, isn't it? Spiritual pride pushes people down rather than lifts them up. These people were prideful. Paul says, if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. Pride. Listen to this story. There was once a lion. Listen close. There was once this lion, and uh, he was very proud, and he decided to take a walk one day to demonstrate his power over all the creatures. So he strutted his way through the forest until he came across a bear. And he said to the bear, he said, Who is the king of the jungle, bear? Why, of course, you are mighty lion, king of the jungle. Well, he went on and he found a tiger. Who's the king of the jungle, tiger? Why, everyone knows you're the king of the jungle, great lion. Well, next, the lion found an elephant. He said, who's the king of the jungle, elephant? Well, the elephant grabbed the lion with his trunk, spun him around, slammed him to the ground. Then he stepped on him a few times, picked him up, threw him in the water, and threw him up against a tree. And the lion staggered, trying to gain composure. He got to his feet and he said, look, just because you don't know the answer, you don't have to get mean. (laughs) I thought that fit right there. I don't know why. I just 
Look at verse 4. <laughs> Don't compare yourself. Look at verse 4. You're looking at it. But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone. Don't compare yourself with other people because that's pride. So examine your own work. Fulfill the ministry that God has given you. And then you have rejoicing and confidence. You know, I can hear Paul saying every now and again, take the time to examine what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, it was David who wrote in Psalm 139, 23, 24, great memory verse. Search me, O God. Matter of fact, it's on the screen. Would you read it with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. I can't hear you. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. It's a great memory verse. David says, search me. Not search them, but search me. Don't compare yourself to other people. If you want to compare yourself, you compare yourself to Jesus. You know, we like to compare ourselves to other people, don't we? And we always find those people that when we compare ourselves to them in like a worldly standards, we are better than them. We might have a bigger house, a nicer house, a nicer car, nicer clothes. Maybe we, you know, understand the Bible better than they do. We like to compare ourselves to other people. And that's actually pretty easy to do. You'll always find somebody that you can look at and think that you're better than them. But when we all compare ourselves to Jesus, none of us stack up. None of us. You want to compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself to Jesus, not against other people. And then your rejoicing isn't because you did a better job than someone else, but that, that you did what God asked you to do. Saints, at the end of the day, I've learned this. If you're in ministry, know this. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, the only thing that matters, are you listening? The only thing that matters is that you did what God called you to do. That's it. You know, as a pastor, we have a lot of people attend our church and people come to me all the time. How come we're not doing this? How come, you, how come we are doing that? How come we're not involved in this? Or why we shouldn't be involved in that? Or we should be over here doing this? Or we shouldn't be over there doing that? This happens all the time. And for me, the only thing that matters to me is that at the end of the day, I can say, God, I've done what you have called me to do. And at the end of my life, as Pastor Rodney stands before God, at the end of my life, I just want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's it. That's all I want to hear. I'm not concerned with, I'm not concerned with pleasing man. You cannot be concerned with pleasing man because if you try to please men, you cannot please God. Hear me. You can't please God and please man at the same time. You can only please one or the other. At the end of the day, I just simply want to be able to say, God, I've done what you required me to do. I'm rejoicing in that fact. And then verse five, finally look at verse five. For each one shall bear his own burden. Now you're probably thinking, wait a minute. Verse two just told us to bear one another's burden. Verse five is telling us to bear your own burden. Well, what we have here, listen, saints, we don't have a contradiction of Scripture. What we have here is two different Greek words for burden. Verse 2 is talking about a heavy burden. 
that needs help to bear. Verse 5 is talking about a burden in the context of a soldier's backpack. A soldier's backpack. Now, when I was in the military, and many of you know this, I was in the Navy for 13 years. Of the 13 years, I was stationed with the Marine Corps for nine of them. So in in effect, I was more Marine than I was Navy. And I remember when I checked into uh, Camp Pendleton, uh, first thing you do is you go to issue. Anybody been in the military? Listen to me. Okay, good. So y'all know what I'm talking about. First thing you do, you get to a base, you go to, you know, supply. And you get, you, you get your, your issue. And everyone is issued, first of all, when you get there, you get a backpack. And then you get a flak jacket. You know what a flak jacket is? A flak jacket is like a police Kevlar vest and protects you from bullets and shrapnel and things of that nature. I, as a corpsman, was issued a 45 millimeter. And Marines were issued an M16. Everyone was issued a helmet. Everyone was issued an OBA. Anybody know what an OBA is? OBA is an oxygen breathing apparatus, or we call that a gas mask. I still have mine, as a matter of fact. And this was, I don't know, I've had mine now for 20 some years, but I still have mine. I actually do bring it out when certain members of my family come over. <laughs> and and I, I won't tell you who they are, but they're, they're on the worship team. But when, listen, when we, I I am in so much trouble, actually. This is my second week. I was telling them second service. This is my second week of talking about my children. So I've I've covered all my children. Next week, I'll cover all of the son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws. Then I have to talk about my whole family. And uh, so when we're on a forced march in the military, each of us had to bear our backpack. But then there were other times, listen, when we had to carry our backpack and bear someone else's as well. Maybe they got hurt or they, you know, sprained their ankle or something like that. And you had to help carry their backpack as well. We had to bear each other's burden. But just because I had to help bear someone else's burden, it didn't relinquish me from the responsibility of bearing my own burden as well. You know, it's almost like if, if my car breaks down, I need my neighbor to take my kids to school I need him to do that and I'll let him do that. But it isn't, uh, you know, his responsibility to take on my fatherly duties in my family. So I have my burden as well as my brother's burden that I'm expected to, to, to bear. And of course, if you've been married for more than two weeks, you know, in marriage, listen, you have to bear one another's burdens. Married couples say Amen. You have to bear each other's burden. In Christian marriages, listen, there are irreconcilable differences that have to be born and they will never be solved. There are things in marriage that are never going to change. Elvira. (laughs) Elvira, listen, is never going to stop turning down the thermostat in the house. And I am never going to stop turning it up. So, because she's always really hot, I'm always really cold. So we, we go back and forth. She goes to the thermostat, turns it, you know, up. I go to the thermostat, and I, 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 I need more heat. So when she goes to the thermostat, and she begins to mess with it, I walk right behind her and turn it up. <laughs> 
Because I, I need more heat. I, I'm a cold-blooded person. She's hot-blooded. Those things are never, ever going to change. And I've actually gotten pretty slick about it lately. Because I get up in the family room, and she goes, where are you going? Uh, I'm just going to uh, check the front door and make sure it's locked. I walk by, I'm going to the front door, I walk by, I go. And here she comes to turn it right back down. There are things that are never going to change. There are things that are never going to change. In marriage, you've got to bear each other's burdens. And in church, we need to bear each other's burdens. We need to seek to restore each other. We need to seek to love each other and to help each other. Not be critical and sin-sniffing, gospel Gestapo, little God squad, <laughs> running around trying to find out who's sinning. We need to love each other. In church supposed to be the place where you get loved? And yet at the same time, this is true. If you want understanding, you want compassion, you want mercy you might be better off going to the club. Now, I'm not telling you to go to the club. Don't, don't leave here thinking I'm telling you to go to the club. Some of y'all thinking, yes, I knew I came to church for a reason. I knew I was here for a reason. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm just telling you that oftentimes you go to other places outside of the church. You tell people you got a problem. Oh, man, that's bad. That's bad news. I'm sorry about that. Hey, God, how can I help? Whatever, whatever. You come to church, you tell some people you got problems. And they want to shoot you, tell you how bad you are, tell you, what, you know, how, how bad a Christian you are. You need to be ashamed of yourself. Jesus died for you. You need to live better than that. But we need to be people that restore. We need to be people that build up. And if the church is a hospital, then please, by all means, let's let the church be a hospital. If you agree with that, clap your hands. Would you do that? Let the church be a hospital where people can come and they feel comfortable to come. That's what I love about Calvary Chapel. Anyone can come to this church. It doesn't matter if you're black or you're white, you're Hispanic, you're Indian, you, you got piercings all the way through your face. I've seen people here like that too. One guy I told y'all, he kind of shocked me. He just had piercings everywhere. And I was talking to somebody like oh, this way here, and he was waiting to talk to me. And he tapped me on the shoulder, turned around and say hi to me. He had piercings like I'm talking his whole face. And I turned around. I went, whoa, hey, man. I went, dude, hey, how are you, man? <laughs> How's it going? Whoa, those piercings. Whoa, dude. Woo. I went, praise the Lord. How can I, how can I pierce you? I mean, pray for you. Pray. But you know what the blessing was? That somebody like that felt comfortable to come here. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. I'm going to wait. They felt comfortable to come. Or tattoos or all of these things. The church should be a place where people feel comfortable to come. I'll tell you one last thing. There was a couple who told me, and they were a mixed couple. Husband was black, wife was white. They went to a church. And just before they came here, and they were just looking for a place to be and get involved and whatever, whatever. And someone stopped them at the door, told them they were welcome to be here this Sunday. But they said to them, can you believe this? You know, you might want to kind of look around for another church that's more like something that you guys might be looking for. Can you, 
believe that people, I cannot believe that. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. That's exactly what we were told. And that's why we found our way here to Calvary Chapel, because we heard that this church, anybody can go to this church. And I went, well, you in the right place. Because we don't care if you're black or white, blue, purple, what you wear to church, you know, we just tell you wear something. <laughs> Amen. Nobody to cover that up. Isn't that right? We don't care. A place where people can find healing and restoration. That's what the church should be about. Can somebody clap their hands? Would you do that? That's what the church should be about. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.